This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, awesomes. It's Meg. And this week's episode is all about the intersection of our lives and our technology. And so make sure you stay tuned all the way to the end of this episode because you're going to hear the story of an awesome who recently told one of the most surprising and hilarious stories I've ever heard on a very popular podcast. You'll get to hear her tell us the story and all about the response she's gotten from the internet. And I promise you, you don't want to miss it. So again, you're going to hear that at the very end of this episode. Now onto the show. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all of the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 184 of the show. And oh my goodness, you guys, we are having so much fun getting to know all of you and what you are awesome at knowing how to do this year. We really want to get as many people in on our awesome revolution as possible. And one really easy way to do that is for you to take just a minute to go over and rate and review Sorta Awesome in Apple Podcasts. Lots of people use Apple Podcasts to find their newest podcast fix. So when you leave a simple five-star rating and a little review for us, it really does help people find the show. It's super fast, it's easy, it's free, and you can support Sort of Awesome just by doing that. And if you aren't on Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to just tell a friend or an awesome family member, or maybe your local mom's group, tell them all about how much you love Sort of Awesome. A super easy way to pass the show on to them is to just give them the link to our website, sortofawesomeshow.com. Okay, this is episode 184 of Sorta Awesome. I am joined today by my very dear friend and longtime Sorta Awesome co-host, Kelly Gordon. Hello, Kelly. Hi, Meg. Hey, Awesomes. I know so many people are going to be so relieved to hear you're still sitting here with us because (laughs) I know after episode 180 that was out last month that when you were telling us about your fancy and exciting new job in public radio, some people were like, oh my gosh, is Kelly leaving? What's happening? Where is this going? (laughs) Is there a big and at the end of the episode? And there wasn't. And so I know you're right. We didn't even think about that. I didn't think about that. I know. About explicitly, which is funny because this is something I think about a lot in my job in public radio is to make sure (laughs) that we're answering the questions that might come up in our listeners' minds that we're kind of 
anticipating that. And we didn't do it for this episode. So sorry, guys, if we caused you moments of panic and stress that we didn't anticipate. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. You're going to have to fight to get rid of me. I think a number of people listen to that one, just like white knuckling it through like, oh, no, oh, no, this isn't going where it's I think it's going, is it? (laughs) Okay, so Kelly is back and she's not going anywhere. We can confirm. Today, we are going to talk about something that really, Kelly, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, sort of behind the scenes. It's sort of a, it has been a passion of yours, I think, for over a year, just thinking and talking through like, what are we doing with our lives as far as how much technology, which can be a good thing. And listen, thanks to technology, you all are listening to us right now. Right. (laughs) But how it has kind of invaded our lives. And maybe some of us have sort of lost the thread on like exactly how this is going to fit together for a healthy, holistic, just human life. So we have so many thoughts and Kelly's sort of enthusiasm for this topic has really gotten me interested in it and gotten me thinking about it. So we're going to process through some of this. We've been reading books, we've been reading articles, we have some things to share with you, and also just some encouragement towards how we can be more awesome with technology in our lives as they are right now. So we're going to get to all of that in just a few minutes. But first, before we do that, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. It's that moment in the show where we get to share with you about the books, the TV shows, the movies, the podcasts, products, whatever it is that's making life a little bit more awesome for us right now. Kelly, I can't wait to hear what you brought. Well, I have something for the awesomes that I'm hoping will just fit into everybody's life. It is a do-it-yourself hot cocoa mix. Mm. The reason that I'm sharing this with you guys is that the cool thing about it is that it has no milk in it. You add your milk to it. And the reason this is especially important to my family is about half of the people in my family are lactose intolerant. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We cannot get those little packets of Swiss Miss and then just put our hot water into them. Because they always have powdered milk in them. So much of the pre-packaged hot chocolate mix always has a pre-powdered milk in it. And then that has lactose and that upsets their tummies. So you guys, I'm not even kidding you. I'm going to hold it up for a mag to see. I will put this on social media. Okay. Okay, you guys, this little clip of a magazine on the bottom, it has the date. And it says, Good Housekeeping, January 2009. How do we even oh say my- that anymore? 2009. <laughs> 2009. Like we're, we're so used to like 2018, 2019. I'm like, 2009? <laughs> you guys, hello. It's Friday. <laughs> so I have been using this for a full 10 years, you guys. It is really pretty simple. What you need is a blender. It's just going to be unsweetened cocoa powder, you know, um, sugar, and then semi-sweet chocolate, which is basically chocolate chips is what we use. It says, you know, semi-sweet chocolate, coarsely chopped, which you could probably experiment with that part of it if you wanted to. We haven't. You could put in dark chocolate or you could put in maybe a white chocolate if you like those sorts of flavors, if you want to just take it one direction or another. But you're just going to put all of this stuff either in your blender or your food processor and process it until it's nice and smooth. And then you would use about, I would say, a couple of tablespoons per about six ounces of whatever kind of milk that you want to use. So you can do this, of course, in a pan if you have a lot of kids or grownups that are playing outside in snow when you want to make something and it's all ready to go. Sure, you could put it in the crock pot. Although I would say Rebecca had a crock pot hot chocolate recipe that she had talked about on the podcast here. We'll link back to that. I have never tried it, you guys, but I remember, doesn't it have like sweet and condensed milk? Oh, yes. It's all rich and decadent and wonderful. It sounded wonderful. So I would say if you were really going to splurge on a hot chocolate, you have a lot of 
people that are going to be coming in from the cold, that's the way to go. You can still probably do that with some sort of either lactose-free milk or coconut milk or, you know, whatever it is. But this is perfect and consumed daily in my house. My 17-year-old daughter, this is the thing that she has before she goes to bed. It is her comfort. So now she just makes it, you know, like if a big batch in the blender and it would last about a month. But every day, so she uses lactose-free milk. I think this would be super yummy with coconut milk Mm, because, you know, you're going to get that flavor to it. And I'll link to the recipe, but we've always just made the original, but they do have some ideas of how you could make it a little bit different. Like you could make a vanilla variety by putting in a vanilla bean into the blender with it, or you could make a mocha variety by putting in some instant coffee powders. There's lots of things. And here's the thing. Really, this is not the reason why I'm doing it, but you guys making your own hot cocoa mix is so much less expensive than buying it at the store. And it really isn't that much more work. You're going to make one batch put it in some sort of a big jar or container, and it's still going to be just as quick to make as the little packets that you buy at the store. But you're not having all of that wrapping waste, and you're just, it's going to be pennies compared to what you're going to buy in the store. So my favorite thing, the reason it's my awesome of the week is that for anybody out there who has any sensitivity to dairy, making it this way is going to make it that you can serve it with whatever kind of beverage you want. But really, you could put this with regular milk and it would still be really yummy. That is fantastic. I cannot wait to get a hold of that recipe. And it's so like when you tell me I've been using this recipe for 10 years, then I know it is legit. It is legit. And it is very chocolatey, you guys, because you put in those chocolate chips and they blend, but yet they don't blend all the way into tiny minuscule. So you have those little pieces. It's a really good hot chocolate. So wonderful. Okay. My awesome of the week this week is a little bit bittersweet. I have been recently, in the past months, couple of months, I've been watching the final seasons of Parts Unknown. Okay, I don't even know what this is. Okay, well, that was Anthony Bourdain's long-running docuseries. yes, yes, yes. I was thinking like a new show, but right. Yes. So it's bittersweet because, of course, we lost Anthony Bourdain last June. And so it's, you know, it's a little hard on the heart to watch this. But at the same time, it's such a beautiful way, I think, to honor, not to let his death sort of overshadow all of the amazing work he did in his life and how passionate he was. So again, I've been watching this on Netflix. The series, I think, originally was produced for CNN, I feel like. Okay. But now they've put the last few seasons, those last episodes that he filmed on Netflix. You know, with this pregnancy, I'm in bed resting and I have been having headaches. I'm finding myself just like needing something to kind of it's kind of like comfort food for me, mm-hmm. Parts unknown If you've never watched Parts Unknown, what Anthony Bourdain would do is go visit, I mean, everywhere around the world, major cities, all the way to like one of these final episodes was literally from Antarctica, wow. which is fascinating. Yes. And so he would go into these cities and tell the story of the people right. and the culture through food. So Anthony Bourdain was a very famous, well-known and very successful chef. He really knew his stuff when it came to food, but he had this really insatiable curiosity about humanity. And especially like he used food as sort of the way in to these cultures, but in Parts Unknown, he ends up telling the bigger story of what's going on in each of these areas that he visited. So I was watching these last episodes and I got curious and just, you know, kind of did a little bit of a Google deep dive about Anthony Bourdain, his life and his work. And I found this piece that Drew McGarry wrote for GQ last December, in December of 2018, called The Last Curious Man. 
And in it, it's this profile of Anthony Bourdain told through interviews with the people who knew him and loved him and really understood him as a person off camera and kind of what he was about. So it starts with Drew McGarry talking to Anthony's brother, Chris, and then he talks to like his early business partners and kind of traces the thread of how these series that Anthony Bourdain ended up doing because he had one before Parts Unknown called No Reservations, I think. It was kind of along the same lines in how it eventually became Parts Unknown and how he felt about these last episodes and that after they had finished filming one in Hong Kong, which is one of the very, I think it's like one of the last three episodes, that he was just so happy and elated and so just filled with pride for the work that they were doing. In the interviews, it talks about how Anthony Bourdain was actually a very shy person. And so not only was food an entryway into cultures for him, it was a way that he could connect with people as a naturally shy person, could connect with people in any culture, you know, at the table, which we talk about so much and so many awesomes feel so passionately about bonding with people, connecting with people, growing relationships with people over food at the table. So I will definitely put a link in the show notes to that piece from Drew McGarry at GQ because it's really, oh, it was just so good. Like I said, so bittersweet, so heartbreaking that he is gone from our lives now. But at the same time, I think that he really had like a spirit of awesome in him that he was so curious about and appreciative of people and their stories. It's really good. And if you've never watched Parts Unknown, unfortunately on Netflix, there's only like three or four of the last seasons on there. It doesn't go all the way back, but I'm sure you can find it streaming in other places. I highly recommend it. It is like comfort food to me. When I turn that on, I just like peace out. It's so good to hear his voice and he takes us all around the world. So Right. And you get to explore the diversity of people. And I did not watch the show before his death. I have not watched it since then, but I had read a lot of pieces in the wake of his death. And that was the thing that stuck out to me was that people said, you know, food was just the entry into his insatiable curiosity and appreciation for diversity and for the uniqueness of cultures and people everywhere in their stories. And so that spoke to me. Yeah. So this is wonderful. How long are the episodes? Are they 60 minutes? Well, I mean, not full because once we move right. commercials, but are they that longish? I feel like they're like about 40 minutes. Yeah, right. You okay. know, I just, I'll turn it on and, you know, they just kind of go through as right. Netflix does. So yeah. But in another great thing too, is you can kind of just skip through and see what episodes stand out to you. And, but you right. might be surprised some of the ones that you're like, Antarctica, really? Mm. <laughs> I can't do that very well. This is probably the journalist to me, but I'm like, no, <laughs> they made it. It's important to them. There was a reason. Like it There's needs to be consumed in, like in, in the order. order. Yeah. Like yeah. And, and to appreciate the full thing. So I have a hard time skipping episodes. I totally get it. I do. Okay. So anyway, that was my awesome of the week. You know, every single Friday, we cannot wait to hear what is awesome in your life this week. So over on Instagram on Friday mornings, we say awesomes of Instagram. Come tell us about your awesome of the week. And you can find us as a reminder at Sorta Awesome Show on Instagram. And every single Friday morning in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group, we open up the floor to let you all share all about what's awesome in your life right now. If you haven't joined us, please do come and find us on Facebook. We are over 5,000 strong now with incredible women really supporting each other through the awesomes of daily life and then also through some of the harder stuff of daily life. So it's a really great place to be. If you have not joined us, we'd love to have you at facebook.com slash groups slash sorta awesome hangout. 
Hey awesomes, we all know the right hire can make a huge impact on your business. Just think about sort of awesome. Can you even imagine this show without the amazing voices of our co-hosts? Choosing the right people makes all the difference. And that's why it's so important to find the right person. But where do you find them? You can post a job on a job board and hope that the right person will find your job. But think about it. How often do you hang out on job boards? Don't leave finding someone awesome to chance when you can post your job to a place where people go every day to make connections, grow in their career, and discover job opportunities. LinkedIn. Most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited the top job boards, but nine out of 10 members are open to new opportunities. And with 70% of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people, people who are qualified for your role and ready for something new. It's the best way to find the person that will help you grow your business. And that's why a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. So hurry to linkedin.com slash awesome and get $50 off of your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash awesome to get $50 off your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash awesome. Terms and conditions do apply. Awesome. So I got to make a little confession. These days, anytime someone tells me that my hair or skin is looking really good, I tell them it's all these vitamins I've been taking, especially my prenatals from Care Of. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. So you, Awesomes, can do something good for your health in 2019. Care Of makes it easy to stick to your health-related resolutions. When you get started with Care Of, you go take their fun online quiz that's going to ask you about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices. I promise it only takes about five minutes to take the quiz and then they tell you your personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. Believe me, I know it can be really hard to know what vitamins and supplements you should be taking, but Care-of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. Plus, a portion of every sale goes toward the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. So very awesome. I've taken a lot of prenatal vitamins through the years, and these Care-of prenatals don't make me sick, and they leave me feeling more energized than ever. Care-of also realized I need a calcium supplement, so they included those in my packs as well, and it's making a huge difference in my health this pregnancy. I really want you awesomes to get connected with Care-of so you can be your healthiest in 2019. Take advantage of this month's special New Year offer. For 50% off of your first month of personalized Care-of vitamins, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code AWESOME50. That's the number 5050. So again, you're going to get 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins when you go to TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code AWESOME50. Okay, so like I said at the top of the show, this week we're really digging into how we as awesomes can know how to find freedom in what has kind of become a moderate addiction for most of us. That's a hard label to put on it, but we're going to talk a little bit in a few minutes about why that's kind of accurate for what a lot of us have going on in terms of our relationship with the technology that we have in our lives. Before we really dive into that, I thought it would be a good idea for Kelly and I to maybe just share our context because everybody experiences and interacts with technology differently. And 
like all of us have our own story of, you know, we can remember, depending on your age, when it comes to technology, maybe you can remember getting your first color TV, which my husband very vividly remembers that moment in his family's life. Or maybe you can remember when you first got cable or, you know, for some of us before cell phones, getting a private phone line was a really big deal. Like if you were a family who's like they had the kids phone or whatever, that was huge. That's huge. <laughs> I never got that mid teens. That would have been so awesome. I did have my own phone in my yes. bedroom. Like I remember that as a teenager, it was hot pink. And it uh-huh. was the kind that had, you could theoretically put a little cradle for it on the wall and then slide yeah. it down to the cradle. I didn't oh, do that. I just kept yeah. it on the nightstand. But I just thought that was cool. Having my own line? Get oh. out of town. That's amazing. I know. We never had our own line, but my parents, bless them, had some sort of compromise that was offered by our phone company where we didn't have our own line, but we had our own separate number that would ring twice, like it would ring yes. differently instead of them paying for a whole separate phone line. So that was helpful. But yeah, so we all have that. We all remember maybe, you know, first cell phones, first whatever. For our younger awesomes, they're probably like, huh. <laughs> right. I don't remember that. Like our kids don't. And in fact, yes. I read a book a few years ago. It was called The End of Absence, Reclaiming What We've Lost in a World of Constant Connection. It was written by a man named Michael Harris. And he made the point that if you were born before 1985, then you know what life is like both with the internet and without. Mm -hmm. So that's my generation. We are the ones who are bridging the gap between remembering completely having experienced life before the internet, but possibly also adapting to living with the internet. Yes. Where the baby boomers, in fact, just this morning, I was at the Y and I had my phone and I was looking at something and an older gentleman, he later said he was 81, walked by. He kind of joked. He said, I'm not in there. I was like, yeah, I said, but everything else is. And he said, you know, I don't even have a smartphone. He said, don't laugh. I'll show you my phone. And he pulled out his pocket and it was a flip phone. And he said, I don't even like to answer this. He said, my wife has a smartphone, so she helps to keep me, you know, up to date with people. But I kind of said, you know, that's not a bad thing. For him, he was like, it's just not worth it. It is not worth it to adapt. I've learned the basic stuff. He said that he'd also gotten caught in a scam, which he said he felt stupid for, you know, like, which is happening with our grandparents and that people call and do something and get them to send money. So there is a generation that just didn't adapt. Mm -hmm. There are generations that are of young people who don't remember life without the internet. This is just normal to them. And we, I would bet many of the awesomes are in this only generation that bridges the two. Yes, we should feel really special for that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because we know what we are losing yes, and we know what we're gaining and no one else right. quite understands it the way we do. That is such a valid point. And we're going to really kind of unpack some of that here in a few minutes. Before we do, let's kind of talk a little bit about our sort of history with especially mobile technology. So to get a little bit more specific, talk to me about when you first got a cell phone and were you excited or were you nervous about it? Like walk me through that. Well, the thing is, is that you guys, I don't remember everything. As I was checking in with my actual memory keeper, who is also my husband (laughs) this morning, I was like, what? When did these things happen? So we have been pretty early adopters. I did not have a car phone in the 90s where people had kind of the very first, not even car phone, brick phones. Like people, it seemed like people use them in their cars. You, know, you, could yeah. get a, you could in the 90s, I think, get a phone in your car, right? It, was, it stayed mm-hmm. in your car. 
Yes. But some of my friends did have these big, huge brick phones that took up half your purse and they were very cool. I did not have one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were pretty early into at least the cell phone concept. I do remember having a pager for work because I worked in news. That way, if something happened, they could get in touch with me. Oh, right. Yes. But I think that probably pretty early on, you know, in the early 2000s, late 1990s, getting a cell phone. The big thing that I remember is making the switch from more of a cell phone to a smartphone. And I said, this is the reason why I have this distinct memory of when I was driving my kids to school. So we are here in the Twin Cities. So it has to be sometime within the last 10-ish years, probably pretty early on. My youngest brother would text me and I could get SMS texts. But I had just a keyboard. So to text him back, you know, you had to do like, I'm going to tape a K is like one, two, three. So (laughs) he did not. He had a smartphone. So he could text me and he could just like send 18 messages before I could be like, I will be there on Sunday. (laughs) So he thought it was hysterical. I would get so frustrated because I'm like, you have to wait for me. And I was like, that's it. This is stupid. I'm getting a smartphone. So that was probably, you know, 10 years ago that I've had a phone that could do more things. And it's just continued to grow as far as what it can do, what we expect it to do, what it means in our lives. What about you? Okay. Well, I remember in the late nineties, early two thousands, getting my first cell phone. I also never had like the car phone or what one of my best friends from high school, her dad had a bag phone that you could take it mobile with you to your car or wherever, you know, your RV or your boat, I guess. I don't know how, <laughs> where all you could take it. But I remember I did not want to get a cell phone because I was so resistant to the idea of people being able to track me down and talk to me wherever I was. I did not want that level of accessibility. So we're talking like early 2000s at this point. I remember being very like philosophically opposed to it. I do not <laughs> want a mobile phone that seems terrible to me. Of course, you know, as an Enneagram 9, I'm probably thinking like, that will very much disturb my peace if people can find me wherever I am. I want to have a little privacy, a little peace during my day. So that was when we still were newlyweds and we lived in the little small college town where we had gone to college. But then we moved to Fort Worth, which was a big city for us. And I got a teaching job that was at a suburb outside of Fort Worth, about 20 minutes away. And um, Kyle, at that point, had to have a cell phone for his job. This was when he was coaching college football. And he was really insistent that I have one too, because I was going to be commuting. And again, we were just like small town hicks from Oklahoma. This was life in the big city for us. (laughs) And so he was like, you need a cell phone. So that was my first cell phone. It was definitely a flip phone. And I did not understand why anybody would want to text. But again, so this is early 2000s, 2001, 2002, 2003. Already, my students, I taught high school, were bringing phones and sneaking them into class and texting. No matter how primitive texting was back then, like you said, you had to push the key like three times to get the letter you want. It was so primitive. But already back then, my high school kids were sneaking their phones into class. And of course, this was at the very beginning of kids having technology with them. So administration and teachers, we were totally unprepared for what do you do with this? We were just like, don't get your phone out in class. You have to take it away. Now I know different campuses have different, they've adapted. Just like you were saying, we adapt to the reality of technology. And then here I am, I had my flip phone that I was totally happy with for years. The iPhone comes out 
And again, Kelly, what's I'm not even like a rebel, really. I'm such an obliger, but I did not want to get an iPhone either. <laughs> she says while wearing the sweatshirts. <laughs> yes. The sweatshirt called sweatshirt. There, it's hard yeah, to say. I'm, but to- I'm totally wearing the sweatshirt I know. called no, sweatshirt. There's, there's many of us who feel that way, who are like, oh, I don't know. I like it, but everybody's doing it. And does that just yeah. make, what does that say about me? But often yeah. we cave. Yeah. And here we are wearing yep. our sweatshirts and using our iPhones. I think it must have been probably 2011. It was right before I went to a conference called Blistem that was for blogging and those types of things. 2011 or 2012, somewhere back there. Going to that conference, and this was the only app I was really interested in at this time that made me like tip the scales for me to actually get a cell phone was Instagram. I just mm-hmm. thought it was so cool. And I loved the filters. I loved all of the things about Instagram. So yeah, that's when I finally caved and got one. Right. And nothing has ever been the same. I feel like the key word for this whole episode is something that you said about the teachers and the school. We are woefully unprepared. Yes. At every turn, we just yes. don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And then this thing comes at you. Yes. We are all left kind of grappling with the good and the bad of it. There's no way to prepare. Yes. That's right. Okay. I was going to save this for later in the show, but it's so timely. I have to say it right now. So I just picked up a book that just came out from Cal Newport, who is a very well-known like sort of researcher, writer. He writes a lot about like productivity and kind of just how to live life better as a human in general. So he wrote a book called Deep Work that lots Mm, of people have loved. Anyway, he just came out with this book called Digital Minimalism. I have been reading it and highlighting in it and texting people like, you've got to read this. It's so good. But what you just said reminded me of this highlight that I put in the book that I was, I wanted to share. So he writes, these changes crept up on us and happened fast before we had a chance to step back and ask what we really wanted out of the rapid advances of the past decade. We added new technologies to the periphery of our experience for minor reasons, then woke up one morning to discover they had colonized the core of our daily life. We didn't, in other words, sign up for the digital world into which we are currently entrenched. We seem to have stumbled backward into it. Yep. And that's exactly it. And that's why if... I think what's happening here, when you said, I think something's in the air. Yeah. I think that a lot of us are waking up to that exact fact. Yeah. Where we're saying, wait a minute, a lot has changed and so much of it is good, but I'm not sure that I really wanted all this other stuff with the good. Yeah. And so there is some pushback right now, which I think is really healthy. Yeah. And I think it's good for our kids because I feel like even high school and college students are starting to maybe even be more intuitive with that pushback. Yes. Because they've always been immersed in it. And so maybe they will help us. Maybe they will lead the way and say, no, we don't have to live like that. That's not what I want to do. Instead of us who have come into it midstream and have just almost gotten swept away and now we don't know where we are. Yeah. And you make a good point. There is so much good that has come into our lives. And I think, you know, we definitely don't want to be like just technology bashing this whole show. Again, we make a podcast that lots of you are listening to through your smartphones right now. So that would be pretty dumb if we were like, let's all get rid of all of our technology. <laughs> and this is it. Bye-bye. Yeah. We're moving to the woods. <laughs> we're burning it all down. Didn't see that coming, did you? I, you're absolutely right. It's very, very true that technology is not a bad thing. Whenever I do a presentation on, it's more, I've often talked about social media when it comes to how to parent. 
I'm always really careful to say that. I think that when advances are made, it's easy for us, and I'm probably some personality types more than others, to say, all change is bad. This is all bad. Mm-hmm. And right. that's not fair. There have been good things that have come, but it does often, as we evolve into some new stage of human experience, there's also a whole new set of things that we have to push back against. Yes. So I don't want to say in any way, I'm so happy. Meg, I would not know you. Right. Yes. Outside of technology, we met because we were blogging. Yes. And got to be friends that way. And then because of the internet and forming a group of bloggers who wanted to talk about blogging that just then became really good friends. Yeah. We met in real life and thus the story's gone. So some of the deepest, richest relationships of my life have only come about because of technology. Yes, it's so true. And, you know, the further developments that, I mean, even besides, you know, what started as blogging leads to Facebook groups where you get to know people. Now we have Voxer where we can actually hear each other's voices. Some people love the Marco Polo app, which is video based and allows you to see the faces of the people that you love and miss and that you're talking to. Not to mention the learning that we have access to. For me, you know, I talk about on the show all the time. We are such music people in our family. So the ability to have access to almost any song you can think of, like all of these things are so good. But then you do start to see some of the negatives. And I think in some of of the articles we're going to talk about, and definitely in Cal Newport's book, Digital Minimalism, that's a mouthful. Thanks, Cal Newport. (laughs) He talks about how we really have come to a place of what psychologists would really call a moderate behavioral addiction. And that means when you have this thing around your smartphone or whatever it is that keeps you connected, you're probably going to use it more than is healthy. It's that feeling of needing to look at it or have it at least close by in your pocket, in your purse, knowing that it's there, that need signals, okay, there's some deeper psychological things going on here. Here is the height of irony for you, Kelly. As I was reading this book, which I happen to be reading on my Kindle, which is a great piece of technology, as I was reading it and like highlighting and thinking, this is so good. I also, at the same time, my brain was pinging me like, you just posted something on Instagram. Go see if you got any comments. Go look. Go, you know, like all of these like little, I don't even need a screen in front of me to have notifications because at this point, my brain is sending me notifications to say, go check go check, go check. That's not good. But this is what we're talking about is that our use of it has actually become an addiction to the point where it's interfering with our day-to-day life. And something else he talks about in the book, I'm only in the opening chapters right now, but he talks about, and there are industry insiders who have reported on the fact that this isn't coincidence. And it's not just you that have a problem with like, oh, I feel like I need to check my notifications. The apps that we use and have become part of the fabric of our lives are specifically engineered to be addictive, to keep you in that app. That is what they're, I mean, that's their profit model is keeping their users there. Mm -hmm. It is not a coincidence. It's not a one-off that you're like, oh my gosh, I got to go check that. Or you just feel like you need to have it close by. It's absolutely engineered to be that way. Exactly. And I have seen, and now you can look at this from many different angles, but I have seen some, I think, good things coming out of Silicon Valley with people admitting this and saying, as an engineer, as a software developer, I am uncomfortable with what we're doing to the world. 
So again, it might not be that they were intending right where yeah. we are today. You know, that yes. I think a lot of times Silicon Valley doesn't look at the ethics and some of the bigger picture things of what they're doing. Yes. I mean, even Facebook, you know, to have the things that have happened in the last couple of years and you see how Facebook was manipulated to manipulate people. And basically Facebook said, yeah, we just never thought that people would use it that way. Like we were seeing all the good that could come out of it. We were very altruistic, which is true. Having lived in Silicon Valley, I think there's a lot of people there that want to do good. You know, there's so many good things that they want to create, but not taking a maybe holistic view of saying, okay, but what are some of the downsides and what are we doing to our very society? Which yes. I think that's the thing about anything I don't know what made me think about this, but maybe social media in a way and our use of technology is a little bit like smoking a hundred years ago. You know, when smoking started, no one knew that it was addictive or at least it wasn't admitted. You know, maybe pretty quickly on some of the industry executives were like, hmm, but we're just going to ignore that, right? Because this is a big profit model for us. And for most people, smoking was something that you could do to relax. It wasn't that big of a deal. We look back at TV shows or movies. And we're horrified, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, everybody's smoking. They look like idiots. Yeah. They were hurting their house, the people they love. And it was not until much later that we've come to look at it a different way. So will, in 100 years, people look at our movies and our TV shows and Lord knows all of the videos that we have posted online everywhere of us doing everything in the day-to-day life and say, look at them on their phones all the time. What were they thinking? Exactly. It's so interesting that you made that correlation because he talks about that in the book, he actually quotes Bill Maher monologue from his show, like in 2017, you may have seen it. Lots of times these clips go around the internet or whatever. But Bill Maher like basically makes the case, he says, the tycoons of social media have to stop pretending that they're friendly nerd gods building a better world and admit they're just tobacco farmers and t-shirts selling an addictive product to children because let's face it checking your likes is the new smoking so yeah yeah and it really is and again he has interviews direct interviews with people who were on the inside who worked at google and facebook and on all of these places who are saying the truth is yes absolutely these are engineered to get you addicted and one of the people he interviews worked for google and like wrote this like he had this revelation what we're doing is interfering with people's lives. He wrote like a 144 slide presentation that he sent around internally at Google. And the higher ups at Google brought him in. They're like, this is very good, important work that you're doing. They made up some name in some office to give him where he, you know, was supposed to kind of be endeavoring to think about how can we be more responsible about how our product affects the end user. But he's like, ultimately, literally nothing came from it. (laughs) Right. Because again, decreasing our screen time is good for us as humans, but it's bad for these corporations in their profit models. So, right. Exactly. Because it's, it all comes back to money, right? So this is why we're talking about this is that it, in the end, it comes down to us. Yeah, that's right. We have to utilize our agency and make decisions about what we can do. And again, smoking, it's easier to say, like, just throw it out. Just don't smoke. Right. So we're not saying that we're saying that we have to be super intentional yes, with what we're doing, how we're going to engage with this media, what we're going to do in our lives. And I had seen a lot when I was doing my research and I thought it was such an apt description. We're kind of need to conmarie our tech. Yes. Right. Yes. So we need to live with intention, with minimalism, which I think is such a good word because minimalism is not 
about what is around you. It really is a mindset. And it doesn't just mean I don't want anything. It means the things that I am going to allow in my life, in my environment, are going to be for good and not for evil. They are going to be things that I have chosen to have there because they add. And to have these things that add, I had to subtract. Yes, absolutely. The whole idea behind minimalism is that when you minimalize things, yes, you're getting rid of some things. Again, the Connery idea of you know letting things go, releasing them <laughs> with joy and gratitude. But the things that you keep, if you become a maximalist ultimately, because the things that you keep mm. are so meaningful and are so intentional. So I know I've been talking about this digital minimalism book a lot, but I know in your research, you have come across some other, you know, thinkers and writers who have some other suggestions about like, okay, that all sounds like, how do we do this? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to link to an article that I found online. That's it's so good, you guys. And it has so many tips. We can't even begin to cover them all here. Because he really does use Cal Newport's book as a jumping off point to then say, let's talk about all of tech. Let's talk about your computer. Let's talk about your phone. Let's talk about even your files on your computer. And he has some great ideas for how to tame this, how to do exactly what you were just saying, Meg, to say these things, to have them add to my life, I have to change either how I use them. I and mean, like he says that, you, you know, just even at your computer, it would be good for you to clean up your desktop, mm-hmm. you know, so that it's just not that distraction. There's not all that busyness there. You can even auto hide your dock if you have a Mac. So you have all those things that are at the bottom. I did not know um, that was just, a thing. I've been I using didn't my Mac for a long time. I've never done that. Yes. Or, you know, just installing or uninstalling programs that you really don't use. Yeah. So even things like that, that are You have to think about what you really want to use the tech for. What does it add to your life? Where do you find the joy? And I think this is where it's personal, right? Yes. It's not one medium or the other. I do think that different media, social media experiences in particular, they bring different things. They have different strengths and values. But ultimately, it comes down to how you interact with it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we could say, well, Twitter is designed to be a way to get to know people that you don't know and to hear brief thoughts of what's going on in their life and to promote diversity. But if every time you get on Twitter, it's, you just makes you angry and want to punch something and Hulk smash. Well, (laughs) yeah, then don't get on Twitter, right? You have to think about your own experience with these things. It's so true. And I myself have had, I've gone through seasons where based on where I was, I like, I've even talked about this a little on the show before. I've gone through some really sort of fragile times where I couldn't go on Instagram because I couldn't use Instagram without constantly comparing my life and what I'm doing to Mm. the people that I, as I was scrolling through the feed, I did realize and recognize like, this is not healthy. I closed the Instagram app and my life is actually worse for having opened it. And that's a good wake up call. Hopefully we can kind of rein it in before we get there to that point and just be like, I got to take a break. You know, the idea of taking a break is becoming more and more the norm, I think, as people are realizing I need to separate myself from this for a while, whether it's a specific app or maybe it's screens in general. In fact, Cal Newport in this book, I mean, am I on his marketing team? No, but should I be? Probably. (laughs) But he goes to the extent of saying you need a 30 day respite from all of your screens. Of course, you've got to do what you need to do for work or whatever, but like get rid of the apps and everything that's distracting you for 30 days so you can really break that habit. I don't know 
for those of us who like social media as part of our job, that's a little tricky. But sometimes in stepping away, you can realize, oh, I'm going to put my energy over here. And then other things kind of catch up and you might start to see some changes. For example, one of our very loyal, awesome superstar supporter awesomes came to us and said, hey, love Facebook. It has been so helpful for me, but I'm just not on there hardly at all anymore. But I am on Instagram. Since the show's on Instagram, I really miss Awesome of the Week. Is there any way we could shuffle Awesome of the Week over to the Instagram account? And that one question was enough for us to be like, Mm -hmm. yeah, let's do it. Because we know more and more people are finding Instagram to be a better use of their time that they spend on screens. And so I think that we can kind of get in this mindset of like, oh, I have to do this. But sometimes asking questions and shuffling things around, you realize like, actually, I don't actually have to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Because I was just thinking that this is also good. And I'm going to guess that most awesomes, anybody who's been aware of like how the technology, maybe you're not, this is the first time you've been, oh, wow, I should think about how I feel before I go on Facebook and then how I feel after I get yeah. off Facebook. And I should see how much time actually elapsed when I think I'm going to do that. Right. How many times I go to the computer, you guys, this is at home and at work to look up yeah. something, the screen pulls up, there's some alert or there was some web page that I left open. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. And 20 minutes later, I leave the screen and I'm like, I never did. I go back to the kitchen. I was like, ah, oh, I was going to look up that recipe. That's why I yes. even went over there in the first place and I didn't do yes. it. Right. So those are, I think, wake up calls. We have to first be intentionally aware of what's happening. Just taking note of how we feel how our life is working, how it's not working. Okay, Awesomes, what company is America's largest independent natural product company where not a single product or ingredient they sell has ever been tested on animals? You know, that's got to be Grove.co. I am a longtime customer and fan of Grove.co. In fact, let's take a peek at my latest order from Grove, which was filled with lots of my favorites like the Grove Collaborative Coconut Scouring Pads. And in this order, I got the brand new Grove Collaborative Essential Oil Burner Set. It basically uses the power of candlelight and essential oils to transform your home into a soothing aromatic experience. At Grove.co, they make shopping for natural products easy. You don't have to search your local store hoping that they'll carry what you want or worry that you're overpaying for organic products from questionable websites. Grove.co is the only site you need where you're going to get organic, eco-friendly, and sustainable products from top brands like 7th Generation, Dr. Bronner, and Mrs. Myers. Plus, Grove is a B Corporation, a new kind of business that balances purpose and profit. They're legally required to consider the impact of their decisions on their workers, customers, suppliers, community, and the environment. When you shop at Grove.co, you're doing something good for you, your home, and the planet. And awesome, you can start right now. Get a free $30 Mrs. Myers gift set at Grove.co slash awesome with your first order. This is a special offer just for the awesomes. Get a free $30 Mrs. Myers gift set at grove.co slash awesome. That's grove.co slash awesome. Awesomes, I'll tell you what, these days I'm all about comfort. So I got to tell you, the clothes I've been living in lately are my active wear from Fabletics. It's a fashion-focused active wear brand with a mission to empower women by making a healthy, 
active lifestyle accessible to everyone because of its exceptional price point. Fabletics has you covered and carries gym wear suitable for any type of workout. And Awesome's Fabletics is offering you an incredible deal you don't want to miss. You can get two leggings for only $24. That's a $99 value when you sign up as a VIP. Just go to fabletics.com slash awesome to take advantage of this deal now and free shipping on orders over $49. Not only have I been loving my leggings from Fabletics, but I picked up some for my girls too and they agree they are so comfy and modern and perfect to get you in the mood to stay active with your body. Fabletics releases brand new styles and collections every month. So when you become a VIP with Fabletics, you'll get up to 50% off of regular pricing and instant access to their latest collections. You don't want to miss out on this very special offer. Two leggings for $24 when you sign up as a VIP and all you have to do is go to fabletics.com awesome to take advantage of this deal right now. Remember, there's no commitment to purchase monthly and there is free shipping on all orders over $49 at fabletics.com awesome. Terms and conditions do apply. So hopefully if you're thinking through those things and you're on the same kind of journey that Meg and I are on, this is all like a philosophical, I don't want to live this way. I don't have to live this way. I'm a person, not a product. I can find some new ways to live, but then the rubber has to meet the really hard road. Then what happens? Yeah. So I don't know. We could talk about it, Meg. I don't feel like I have, (laughs) I haven't corralled this in my life. So we're not (laughs) speaking from a do as we do necessarily. We can just give you our ideas and what we've tried. Here are a few things I'm trying and you can respond as appropriate. But again, it is important to say that Kelly, your actual job right now, your day job involves, you do have to be on Twitter. You do have to be digging into like what people are talking about. It's literally your job as a producer to know what's trending and what makes for a good show. And so just know the caveat is we're saying all of this as people whose jobs and livelihoods is very closely connected with this. So having said that, here are a few things that I'm doing already. I don't think I can do the big 30 day breakup that Cal Newport wants me to do, but here are some things that I'm doing right now. First of all, if you have an iPhone, you may know that now native to your settings is the screen time monitor. It's built in to your iPhone. I don't know if this is Apple's way of being like, don't get rid of your smartphone. Yeah. No, I'm sure that that's somewhat true. In Silicon Valley, they're like, wow, we need to make it easier for people to back off. Yeah. Probably duly motivated. You know, like I do think that they are like, wow, we didn't mean to do all of this harm, but also we don't want them to throw it out. So yes, (laughs) Yes. let's equip them to get it back into control. Definitely. They could now be like, we are all for responsible use of your iPhone. Right. It's just like, it's like all of the beer companies, right? They're like, Drink responsibly, responsibly. don't drink and drive, but still buy beers. Yes, Yes, exactly, exactly. So in the screen time monitor, which is in your settings, if you have an iPhone, and I'm confident that Android-based mobile phones have something similar, but you can now track your usage. Sometimes just seeing that number in black and white, like right now I'm looking, I just pulled mine up. I clicked over to the tab that says for my last seven days that I have been on screens for four hours and 24 minutes a day. Now that does include my Kindle app. So that is a thing to remember because I do a lot of reading on here, but it includes all the things, Facebook and Instagram and Reddit, which I love Reddit. I actually, I know Reddit can be a little intimidating, but I learn a lot from the subreddits that I have plugged into. Anyway, it tells you by app. 
where you're spending most of your time right now. You can look at it by day and you can look at it over the past week. Sometimes just seeing the numbers in black and white is a good wake up call and can motivate us to be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea I was spending like four hours on Instagram. That's enough for me. Right? (laughs) Get a rate of dead. So that's one thing I've been using. The other thing that is built into the iPhone that I have been using liberally and I love it is the do not disturb feature. Yes. Now I started out using this just at night. So I have it set to where it automatically goes into do not disturb at nine at night and it turns off at five in the morning. It also in that nighttime mode, it actually hides all of your notifications. So even if like I wake up in the middle of the night and I just look at my phone to see what time it is, I don't see any notifications that have come in. So I'm not tempted to be like, oh my gosh, I missed a text from so-and-so, which is really nice. So I started using it for that. But Kelly, I have started using it during the day just like turning your phone off, except it's not off. And I know some people might use airplane mode to do this. The thing is though, I so when it's in do not disturb, I can still access apps as much as I need to. Again, usually for work-based reasons, but I don't get any notifications. Right. And it's those notifications that really trip us up lots of times because that really is where the hardwiring of our brain and the little dopamine hits. When we see those little things and we say, oh, somebody's contacting me or I have something to respond to. That's one of the big key areas that if we can control that, we have a better chance of controlling the overall. Right. And so since I started using this during the day to be a responsible person, and because this is my only phone, we don't have a landline, it allows you to set your do not disturb to where you can still get calls from your favorites. So of course I have Kyle marked as a favorite. And then I went in and marked each of the kids' schools as a favorite. So if phone call comes from school or if Kyle needs to get a hold of me. That still comes through. And those are the things that I want and need to come through. But everything else, now I do have that sense of freedom and like almost like agency back and realizing I could put my phone on do not disturb all morning and not have to get back to text messages until noon. And it's like so wonderful. I love it. So I'm a huge fan of do not disturb. So if you are on the receiving end of text for me and you've noticed that now it takes me like two or three hours to get back to you. I'm just trying to take back my life, people. I'm just trying to be responsible. (laughs) Right. And really, it's a matter of hours instead of seconds. This is not like you're not going to get back to people within a week. Right. I think that we all hopefully need to have grace with each other so that we can allow people to do that. I know that I don't care that if somebody, you know, every once in a while it will be so urgent, but very rarely is anything that urgent. And I think... Our workplaces need to be paying attention to this too, if they aren't already. I do know that more and more are trying to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, with social media, with Slack or other programs like that, that works can use, it kind of becomes like a work social media. You're getting notifications on your phone. Yes. Like saying, don't like put it in, do not disturb and say that you're out of the office. We don't want you to be feeling like you need to respond all the time. With urgency all the time. Right. Because we just can't live with that. And this goes to what Cal Newport said in his other book, Deep Work, is that when we're always responding to the urgent, we can't get to what's important. Yeah. And so that's part of why we need to be able to turn this stuff off, get our brains back so that we can try to heal it a little bit. I feel like sometimes my brain is so fractured from the constant multitasking that our technology demands of us that I almost can't focus on a blessed thing. In fact, just this week, just been a very fun, productive day at work, but also then my brain was in a thousand different directions and I couldn't get it back. And so what I realized, I went down into our basement with our eight-year-old 
we got a basketball game sort of thing for Christmas. So I said I would go play with him. And so I did that. And then I said, I'm just going to walk some circles in the basement here. Like, I'm just going to, you know, walk 10 one way and then turn it around. It's not a very big basement. But I was like, I just need to move. And when I was moving, I could feel my brain be like, oh, like powering down. And I was like, oh, this is what I need to do. Like, I need to find a way to get my brain to stop. Yes. And then I can restart and say, okay, just do this one thing. I have actually had a show idea in my notes for a long time and it's on unitasking mm, instead yeah, of multitasking. Yeah. And it's yes. kind of that idea. And I think that that's what we're applying the same concept to our technology here is saying, mm-hmm. let's just do like one thing at a time or let's not listen to it. Have you found any luck with kind of, I've never called it this, but I've heard you talk about time blocking. Oh yes. So kind of time yeah. blocking email or social yes. media. And that's what I've been trying to do, especially since going back to work, having so much more of my day, not free to check social media, which right. honestly, it's not a bad thing because yeah. then I have had somebody outside of myself just say yeah. no, you know, so somebody else is making that decision for me. Right. But then the things that I still want to do, how do I do that? How do I fit that in? So that's why I have been a little bit like, I'm going to just, I'll deal with all of the email once the kids are in bed, Yeah, you know, or not that I don't just glance at them to make sure as they come in that there's not some note that needs to be responded to. Very few do. Mm-hmm. Very few require an immediate response. Sure. So just trying to group my response time yes. into like, this is your time to respond. So for me, I can Vox while I'm driving. So mm-hmm. my drive to and from work is my Vox time. And then outside of that, I pretty much don't listen or respond anymore Yes, because I know I'll have that time. Yes. And I also know that I just need a break at other times when I'm with my family or I can do something else. So that sort of idea, I haven't actually put in, I use do not disturb some, but I haven't put in any hard and fast. Like Mm. I know you can actually get programs on your computer that will shut down your internet usage for the most part so that you can focus as you sit down at that screen into the thing that you really wanted to do. Yes. So that you don't even have the chance to be distracted. So I haven't had to do any things like that because work has kind of been that way for me. Do you do things like that with your time blocking? I do. And I want to take it to the next level. In reading this book and thinking about and prepping for this show, I think it's time for me to take Facebook off of my phone, which I've done this. I've gone back and forth on through the years on this. I think it's time for me to take Facebook off my phone again. However, to make sure because it is very closely connected to my job in terms of participating in our hangout group and then in our superstars hangout group. So have scheduled time. I live and die by my time blocks because they tell me what to do during the day. So I don't just end up wandering around my house aimlessly. So to schedule in specific Facebook time, again, nothing really happens in there that is so urgent that I need to be there right away. And so using time blocks to, again, this is more of just like a shuffling. I still am going to be active in there, but I'm just going to shuffle into a specified time instead of just randomly opening Facebook. And another thing that's been really helpful is to replace my screen time scrolling with something else. And so for me, that's been reading more and just kind of using the the temptation to open and scroll to be like, "Uh oh, I'm going into scroll mode. I'm going to actually put my phone down and pick up this book I've been working on getting through. And I think the biggest thing in changing habits is you can't just take something away and expect it not to be a struggle. You really need to replace it. So many of us feel like, oh, I would love to finally learn how to knit or I'd love to work on my scrapbooks or I'd love to do more reading. We think we don't have time, 
But if we can get really, really precise about the time that we're spending on our screens and figuring out how can I reduce this and then replace it with something that you've been looking forward to doing, that you want to do, or that you need to do, I think it makes a big difference in changing that habit. Absolutely. And here's something that I have thought about is you have to know how you work during the day. I have not as big of a problem because I also have tried to replace my scroll time with reading. I have magazines, I have books I want to read, lots of things. But when it comes to nighttime, Mm -hmm. it's like I have exhausted my self-control. I'm exhausted. (laughs) So I have that very recognizable internal battle almost every night. You are scrolling through Facebook or Twitter. You're not going to reach the end. Stop it. Stop it. And the other part of me is like, I know I really shouldn't be doing this. But I don't (laughs) stop, Meg. I don't stop. Here's what you have to do. Make it easy to make the choice. And like, I literally keep on my bedside table. I always am like, what do we call this? This piece of furniture next to the bed. I keep my book with my book lamp that Uh I love, uh my book light that clips on there. I keep it right there. And so for me, I just kind of shifted my habit to plug in the phone, which I know probably my next step would be to not sleep with my phone next to me. I'm not there yet. Uh, But I plug in my phone and pick up my book. Just, I don't even go into scroll mode. Like, this is why you have to know your environment, your thing, right? I sit in with Kieran when he's going to sleep. And the the lights are out. So then I have to use technology to do something. Yeah. So that, and that's not a bad thing because very possibly this will be my first chance to say, I'll actually check Facebook when I go in with Kieran. So, you know, then I can push it off. But then it's so easy to keep scrolling. So I have had, this is maybe when I do need to use the timers or something that's just like, oh, it's 930. It's done. You're like you're yeah. done with the internet today. Just like I do with my kids. We use circle, yeah. right? At our house. Yeah. yeah. My phone is you connected to circle. I could circle myself. You do that. You can circle yourself. Which and I could do it. I mean, circle is so awesome to have all these different ways that you could come at it. Like I could just shut off Facebook and leave the internet so that if a text would come through and I would need it, you know, I could do that. And so yeah. maybe that's what I need to do. Actually, these light bulbs are going on over my head for yeah. me at nighttime in particular, because that's yeah. where I have recognized that I lose all self-control and I end up in the pit of just scroll, 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 even though half of me is saying, why are you doing this to yourself? And the other part yeah. of me is saying, I don't know. I don't no, know. I, I relate to that so much. I think in those moments when we are tired, when we're cranky, when we're lonely, like these triggers come along. And it's so easy to go into, this is the easiest way to comfort myself. But then again, it's like, you got to check in with yourself when you're right. done. Like, oh, I can't believe I just scrolled here for an hour. You know, I had some you know? classes, sort of things that they wanted me to do at work. And I said, I'm just going to take my laptop home and do it, you know, when I'm putting my kids to bed. And people were, I mean, very sweetly horrified. They were like, you don't need to do that. Like you can And I was like, no, I think it actually would be better for me to take this pointer quiz on like how to write better web copy at night when that will keep me engaged and be productive with my time versus falling into the rabbit hole of Twitter. So yeah, you have to find, I'm not saying that that's work. I can't finish every quiz on pointer, you know, like what else can I do? Yeah. So it might be that I just need to put in some things that the internet goes off to me because that's a weakness. That's my weakness. That's my hard spot. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have shared a lot and have definitely, we knew when we started to record this episode that we want to make it really clear. We are not the experts. We are not Cal Newport. We are not here to tell you. We haven't figured out, but we just hope to get the conversation going. Even if the conversation is just with your own self, (laughs) 
about how you're using technology and if it's bringing joy to your life or if you're identifying some ways like I do actually have an addiction here. Hey, it's okay to admit that. I'm the one who's like, I'm reading a book about addiction and the addiction pings are going off in my brain. So I get it. But yeah, we just wanted to process and tell you like this is on our minds and we know it is on the minds of lots of our awesomes. So if anybody does want to reach out and continue the conversation with us, Kelly, remind people where we can find you all around the technology saturated <laughs> web. This is the hashtag <laughs> irony part of the show. Yes. You guys, because we are on the web and we do enjoy hearing from you. So this is one of yes. the really good uses of technology. So even though we're laughing, I love to hear from you. So you're going to always find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kelly Gordon MN from Minnesota. Or I'm in the Hangout Group or Facebook.com slash Lovewell blog. Okay. You can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. And you can find us anytime on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. You guys, thanks so much for listening. And we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Okay, awesomes, we have never really done this before, but I got to tell y'all what, I have never really heard a story like the one that this awesome is going to share with us today. I'm joined today by Lori Lynn Tucker, one of our amazing superstar awesomes. And the reason I wanted Lori Lynn to come and share a little story with us is because I well, let me back up. Let me t- let me tell you the context for how I first came across this story. Last week, I got to sit down with Lori Lynn and Anna Heather Say, who is another awesome. They host a podcast called The Post Party. And so spoiler alert, I will be on The Post Party coming up soon. So keep an eye on their feed for that. But the day that we were recording, Lori Lynn was just tickled about life because she had a story featured on a recent episode of the podcast. Now, you all know that around here, we love the podcast. We've loved them for years. Knox and Jamie are friends of the show. And so I had not yet gotten to listen to this episode. The episode of the podcast that Lori Lynn's story is featured in is episode 285, The Nose of Marriage. And Lori Lynn was just so happy because one of her stories was featured in this episode. Lori Lynn, hello, first of all. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me today. Talking to you two weeks in a row. This is I know. Like such a treat. Oh, this is so fun. This is so fun. Thank you for making time to come and tell this story because I know not all of our awesomes listen to the podcast and sometimes right. you get a little behind in your podcast right. listening. So not everyone has heard this story. Um, so you had a story. So they're talking about the nose of marriage. Knox and Jamie love to put out a call to their listeners to tell stories that they can share on the air. And then of course they share their very funny, very hilarious reactions to people's stories. So they had put out a call asking for listeners to kind of share their stories about marriage. And Lori Lynn, you shared a doozy. <laughs> I really did not expect 
the kind of response to the story um, because I knew it was a doozy. I didn't realize how much of a doozy. So yeah. Okay. Let's, let's hear the story. And and Austin's, we may even get the extended cut of this story. So, (laughs) so I, uh, this was after I had my first child, I was about two and a half days postpartum. I had laid down to take a nap and woke up about two hours later and my boobs were huge and rock hard. Yes. And I was running a, a very low-grade fever. Um, and my milk had come in. The moment that uh, every mother knows is like, it's a total transformation in your body. Oh There's really no way gosh. to explain it. When your milk comes in, especially when it's your very first time, like you cannot be prepared for the whole experience of your milk coming in. You really can't. I I mean, I knew what to expect. I had taken Bradley classes. I had read the books. I had done preparation. I didn't have a manual pump because like I was told not to pump in the early days, like all the yes. best, La Leche League, all that kind of stuff. Great stuff, but maybe a little, lacking a little <laughs> bit of nuance. <laughs> That's so... such a good way to say it. The advice just lacked a little bit of nuance. So, yeah. so anyway, I, I of course, first baby had no clue what to expect, and so my skin was stretched so tight. It yes. was so tight I could not get my baby to latch. I was trying to hand express. I mean, I was definitely getting stuff out. I was in a warm bathtub, like leaning over, like filled the bathtub up as much as I could, just letting my breast drain into the water. I was trying to nurse my baby. I was, (laughs) I had gotten to the point to where I was dangle feeding because that's what the internet told me to do. So essentially I was on my hands and knees. My baby was laying on the bed and I'm just like trying to stick my baby in his mouth. This is probably after, (laughs) mind you, this is after like an hour or two of just like my baby screaming because he's hungry, but oh. also like my milk is coming out with such a force or he can't get latched. It's like both of those things happening all at the same time. It was a perfect storm. And I had just given birth. Yes. Like I had just given birth. And so we're all just in desperation. We're back in our bedroom, my husband, baby, and I, and... Um, I'm just like, you've got to relieve some of this pressure. We learned this in our Bradley class. Like our Bradley instructor was like, you know, like if you need to do this, there's nothing wrong. Just, just do it. And we're like, okay. So you, so just to clarify, you were asking your husband to nurse. I need help. Yeah. You're going to have to I need you to remove some of this milk from my body. (laughs) (laughs) While I'm still hands and knees. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> trying to maybe try to nurse my child on the other side. I really don't remember fully. But um, also the way our bedroom was situated, like our bed was directly across from the door. And okay. of course, two and a half days postpartum. Like who needs privacy? Like there's no, there's, there's no, no privacy. privacy. Once you've given birth, you're like, privacy doesn't exist in no. my life anymore. Yeah. And so my dear mother walks in the room to see if there's anything she could do while my husband is like latched onto my breast. And of course he unlatches and we're just all like, what just happened? And she doesn't say anything. She just closes the door and walks away. And the funny thing is, 
again. And not because, <laughs> not because it was any kind of thing. I think it just got lost in the newborn. <laughs> it just got lost. Yep, yep. <laughs> and so how the story got, uh, how it got, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? brought back to my attention was Anna and I on the post party we talk about the first year postpartum we're talking about like what to expect in the first 24 hours and the first week and one of those things we talked about was your milk coming in and I dropped this story on her and like again I had remembered this story but like just how funny the story was not registering right I told it to her and then she's (laughs) laughing and I'm laughing. Like, this story has just, it, it resurfaced. Yes, yes, yes. A couple yes. months ago. So, when on Instagram, they put out a call for the nose of marriage, I saw that post, and I was like, I don't I don't know what to post. Like, this is funny. And she messages me, and she's like, Lori Lynn, this that, is, now's your chance. Now is your chance. You are yeah. going to get on the podcast if you tell this story. Yeah. And so, I was like, oh, of course. So, like... You guys, I was meticulous about this. I pulled up a note on my phone and like uh-huh. I well, I crafted that comment and I It was it-, it was beautifully told, Lori Lynn. Seriously, was I was listening to it, I was like, oh, she really like just in a few sentences, you really captured the essence of that moment. I've been following the podcast enough to know like the criteria. Yes. Um I comment on it and like the replies Oh, even on the Instagram. On the Instagram post. Okay. Pouring in. I think... Now, I replied to people because I know how Instagram works. Right. Yes. (laughs) And so I was replying to pretty much everybody who replied. But there was like 90-something likes on that comment. (gasps) And like... Including my responses to people, about 40-plus replies. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And I was like... I so Enneagram, we've got to bring it up. I'm a two wing three. Uh-huh. So yes. like So you're the, loving it. <laughs> I'm loving it because I, because not only is like I'm not seeking the attention just for the attention, but let's be honest, maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but also like it's bringing joy to people. I want to help people. And if this is a way that I can help them, it's just bring some laughter to their right. life. Like, oh my gosh, yes, yes let me make you laugh. Let me make your day a little bit brighter. So when I was listening to the episode, I knew it probably would get featured just from the response, but Uh I didn't think it would be the winner. It was absolutely the top winner that they like (laughs) saved to the very end. Knox gave like a million, (laughs) like everyone be prepared (laughs) for this story. yeah, so many, so many things. Jamie was like, you guys, she told us her name. And I'm like, <laughs> for, I'm a labor of postpartum doula. Yes. So this stuff like this does not phase no. me at all. And I'm realizing that maybe it phases most people. <laughs> right. Okay. So Knox and Jamie had their responses, which yes. are very fun and very hilarious to listen to. But I want to know, like after the episode came out and it was all public, it wasn't even just like on their Instagram as, you know, people are responding to that episode. And we even talked about it a little bit in the hangout group. Um, how was that to have everybody like talking about your story? 
So it was really fun. Like, honestly, I I went in with it realistic. Like, let's be honest. In two weeks, nobody's going to remember this story. Well, maybe. (laughs) I think I'm going to remember it for a while. Well, yes. Yes. But, like, also, like, it was really fun seeing people's responses. I I went in it knowing that it was going to be a little bit snarky and maybe even a little bit salty. Yes. Um, when I was explaining to my husband, because I made him listen to the episode. Yeah. And because it was just funny, too. Like, we we greatly enjoyed ourselves, but it was yeah. so funny. Um, everybody's stories were great. Um, yes. I was like, I need to prepare you that the shtick of this show is they're going to be a little, they're going to have some spicy takes. Yes. They're going to be a little bit salty and a little bit snarky. And they do it out of love. Like, yes. it's not hateful at all. Right. And um, so I just, it, honestly, because I think I went into it knowing that. Like, I right. knew. And so, uh, but just seeing, you know, a few people that I follow actually were posting about the story. That was that was fun. That was really yeah. funny. Jamie Ivy was talking about listening to it in Costco and how people were like asking if she's okay. <laughs> and I messaged her and I was like, I'm so glad that story brought you joy. And she was like, that was you. And I was like, yes, that was me. <laughs> you guys, I'm the only Lori Lynn Tucker on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> yes. Like there's no anonymity here at all. Right, right, right. Yes. Well, I love this. This was just like perfect timing to have you come and share the full story again for um, any of our awesomes who did not catch it. If you, even if you don't normally listen to the podcast, which I don't know what to say about that because it's an amazing show every week that will get you laughing about a variety of things. But even if you don't normally listen, you've got to go listen to 285 because that's your story is hilarious, but there are some other really great stories in that episode too. And that's that show. Oh my gosh. I mean, a lot of people were saying like, that's their top 10. Yeah. Yeah. So totally. I don't know. Maybe you'll see me at a live show one day. Knox and Jamie, are you listening? <laughs> my answer is yes. Love it, love it. Well, you know, with Kelly and I talking about the intersection of our lives and technology, I was just, I'm so thankful that you said yes to coming and telling this story here. So we could really, like, this is a real life example of how sometimes real life and technology meet, and sometimes it's lots of fun. It is lots of fun. Thank you for having me on, Meg. Thank you so much, Lori Lynn. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.